We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Why is Neil upside down? What has happened in this in this thing? Okay, what do I fix first? The audio or Neil being upside down? I'm going with the... Don't touch me. I'm going with the audio first because it's a podcast because, you know, that's what we do. It's uh, it's Agro and Barracuda as per usual. Hello. Um, I remember something about uh, about Dave being tilted about something and wanting – and I, like, flipped him. Or, no, he had a problem and I flipped him. Is it this? Nope. Is it – we're going to – we're working his, on it. His webcam came upside down. I'm oh, actually okay. hanging from the roof. Oh. I'm in Australia, you know. Interesting. Oh. Welcome to Neil Ma. He's in Australia. You want to be? <laughs> you want to be chuckle so bad, like uh-huh. Australian. It is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Australian coach. There we go. Bang, dude. I did it. Uh, Why'd you do that? Because you're not an Australian. We lied. You're actually way farther north. True. You're in the furthest reaches of Canada uh, currently. Wait, um, really? Yeah, did Neil is like Neil is like way, way, way out there. He's like the middle of nowhere's middle of nowhere. What? I'm not in the middle of nowhere, but I I am pretty north. He's pretty north and pretty west. Is most of Canada just nowhere? (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, like Toronto, Vancouver, and then like what else are you doing in your life if you're not in Toronto, Vancouver? I guess you just walk through nowhere. You're, it's like an RPG yep. game. You're rooting for yep. the Edmonton Oilers. So that's what that's what you're doing. <laughs> you really are. Yep, that's kind of your only option. Oh, hey, I was supposed to say at the top of the show, but Neil was upside down. Uh, yes, today's episode is sponsored webcam. by Factor Meals. Head on over to factormeals.com. Oh my God, it's Bera's new dog. <laughs> I will I will get every sponsor in the world mad at me to, sh- to shout out him up to my nose while the he had, boy. Like, the zoomies and he kind of ripped my nose ring. Oh, but, yeah. oh. So my eyes are watered. Oh, you can't yeah. blame him. Look but at him. Look he's him. just so he's cute. So cute. Look at him go. He's so cute. adorable. Little Hammy, Bear's new puppy. <laughs> Go look at Bear's Twitter. This dog is oh unbelievably God, cute. So bad. I'm coming down to Georgia game. right now. I know, I know. You've got to get here. Neil's tearing up. Um, <laughs> it's a singular tear. See. Oh, oh, look at the little, look at his little paws. <laughs> this is really good. This is really good podcast content. Uh, Agro visual. Okay. <laughs> 
If you're a l- long-time listener, maybe you found this podcast on Spotify, like, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so cute. That's so cute. Oh, my God. My mind just exploded. Maybe you've only heard us. You have no idea what either of us look like. Uh, you've never watched a podcast episode. Go to the Prediction YouTube right now. Check out the VOD because you need to see Little Hammy. Uh, that is unbelievably cute Barra's new puppy um anyways yeah this episode is sponsored by hamlet uh but Barra's new puppy and by factor meals head on over to factormeals.com slash backliners 40 and use code backliners 40 to get 40 percent off your first box that's code backliners 40 at factormeals.com slash backliners 40 to get 40 percent off your first box also just pasted it in the chat there for everybody um Wait, oh yeah, I was going to tell another story. Uh, I got a story of what happened to me right before this podcast. It's something that could only happen to me, I swear. I Our usual meal on podcast nights, because we don't have a lot of time and because we need to, to order some factor by going to factormeals.com slash backliners40 and getting 40% off our first box. Uh, we're big frozen pizza on podcast night. You know, it's like nice and quick, nice and easy. I make sure to eat some vegetables for lunch sometimes. Sure. And then I have a frozen pizza for uh, for dinner on podcast nights. It's 20 minutes to podcast. I'm going to grab, uh, I've got a can of soda in the fridge that I want to grab. And as I'm grabbing it and pulling it out, it hits the corner of like the, the portion of the door that like, where we put like the milk, like the little like plastic thing. And it literally starts spraying out everywhere. Like I'm shotgunning this, like this soda and it happened so fast. And like, I didn't hit it hard. It didn't make a noise. Just all of a sudden I'm just getting, it hits me directly in the face. That's the first place it connects is into my face. And I'm just like so stun locked by this soda and it's like spewing out. There's so much. And so I'm like, what? And then I like spin around. It's like all over my kitchen. It's all over my face. I just got out of the shower. So then I have to go up and shower again because you know I'm getting real sticky from uh-huh. soda being all And that's just uncomfortable. And that's just the worst. Is there a worse feeling than stickiness? Like stickiness has got to be the Nah, it's bad. It's really bad. Sticking up there is like with the like worst. when you touch change and then your hands smell like change. It's oh disgusting. yeah, like metal. Yeah. yeah. I like the smell of gasoline though. So after I pump, it's it's nice. Well, to that's get a fine. Snip. Oh, I, get I that. used to. I used to like the, the smell of gas, but not not so much anymore. I don't know. My mature nostrils. Uh, <laughs> uh, I outgrew it. So it's a juvenile. <laughs> you killed all those stupid brain cells. <laughs> yeah, that's probably actually what it is. So yeah, that's uh, that was that was what happened to me right before this. So um, I'm not oh, sticky uh, anymore. But oh um, good. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, yeah, we got Neil on the podcast. Neil is mm-hmm. now the coach of the Highland Ravens, um, and. Uh, I wanted to talk to uh, to you both about how it's been going so far for the season as a team and also to try and get Neil's perspective on coaching and his expectations of what being coach was like and what it's really been like. Um, but Barra, let's pretend Neil isn't Hello. here uh, for a oh, second. Oh, good. That's um, why I do most of the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, he actually lagged out. Uh, this is just a recording that I got stasis earlier mode. of him. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he's got, yeah, he's stasis moded um, just like usual. Uh How's it been having Neil as a coach and comparing him to previous coaches that you've had? Uh, really good. He cares a lot more than most coaches that I've had. Uh, he also gives a lot of input, which kind of makes me feel bad for the amount of times that uh, 
I troll or do stupid things in scrims, I'm just thinking, man, Neil's watching this and knowing <laughs> he knows that I shouldn't be doing this, and he knows that I know that I shouldn't be doing this, and I'm still doing it. So I kind of feel bad for him sometimes, because there's there's just some days where I just can't, you know, like it, maybe today it, potentially. It, no, I was giving it my all today. Uh, I was really, really? Uh, cranking up. Yeah, uh, I definitely didn't die ten times in one scrim or nine, <laughs> nine times, nine times. Yeah, it was, it was nine times. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was really uh, turning up the gas today. Uh, there. Well, it was. Look, it's my first day alone with Hammy. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a lot on my mind. Uh, the the tree pollen is just crazy right really now. Really high. Yeah, my allergies it, are acting up. Yep. Yeah, um, you know, I had a nice workout this morning, my arms were tired, and I came mm. into scrims, and, you know, I was really giving it my all today, mm. and, uh, Neil just ripped me a new one today, I just couldn't... Really? He, I yeah, don't he know about that. He, he screamed at you. He said, well. get your, get your act together, you're off this team, John. He said those exact words, or am I yeah. paraphrasing? Well, he he basically said it. Basically well, what said I said it. was, "Hey guys, I know this is a practice, and this is like the most <laughs> extreme example of this, but this happened on game day, but in a much less severe way." And then we watched it, and we're like, "Yeah, time, that would just never, that should never happen." But like, why not? <laughs> was it uh, was it Barra maybe doing a little a uh, little tanking for the team yeah, potentially? He he just he just wants to be tyler Herwin really bad mm. yeah and he's just like maybe i get in there first and <laughs> mm. i was like well <laughs> well you think it's yeah. good i was he's... not the safest gamer today uh-huh all every scrim I... look our first scrim lasted 60 minutes you can't expect mm -hmm. me to, to be at my best after that nope. yeah the whole day is chalked instantly exactly yeah, can't can't be asking for that. I don't even remember if we won that game. Uh, it just <laughs> even if we won, it doesn't matter. You had a sixty minute scrim. Neil, did you do you know if you guys won that scrim? I can't remember. They all mm. flow together. Yep. Wow, they really did uh, destroy the mental. Then, huh? It's kind of how it, <laughs> it was a painful day. Painful I think my game scrim. crashed, and like after, if you're like less than ten, if you're past ten minutes in the game, your game crashes. You'll never catch up again. Mm. And so I'm just mm. watching like a Discord stream, and they're like, "What happened in this fight?" I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> like, I kind of watched like, Scream's perspective, and he's, like, running around. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like what the jungler's supposed to do, right? Just yeah, run he's around doing his thing. Yeah, do your yeah. thing. How's, uh... How... What were your... What were your expectations of what coaching were going to be like, Neil, and how has coaching uh, defied or met those expectations? Uh, well, I know when I started coaching, I just thought that I'd be able to, like, have a strong voice and help bring some change and help like create structure for a team mm -hmm. and uh i think with this team that they, they have like a lot of the ideas of the structure in place it's a lot about like reminding them especially now like at the beginning when i first came in i felt like it was more like we were building some good fundamentals and stuff but now uh everyone learned really really fast and it's kind of just about trying to make sure that we improve on those it's really hard to come in every day and like just nail it down nail it down it's a lot of like broken record stuff but in my opinion that's a lot of like what helps you on game day especially at tournaments is just if it's been nailed in enough that it'll be automatic mm -hmm. so it's a lot of repetition things like that and it is kind of hard to improve small things at a time but i felt like coaching has been really rewarding in that way and i've been really impressed 
with everybody's ability to like retain information and improve and learn, especially Hurry, since he hasn't played support that long, and he's like really, really impressed me. He's been really tremendous. Everyone has like a really good voice on the team. But uh, overall, yeah, I think that coaching has been pleasantly surprising to me. Everyone's been really receptive, and everyone has been um, really vocal about what they want from me, and everyone's been really happy with my work, which has been really rewarding in that way. Just mm-hmm. feeling like I'm coming in and helping them improve in any way at all has just been it's been good so far. And every, the team has been playing really amazing so far, so yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, I think uh, obviously you guys have come out of the gates looking really, really strong, and I'm glad you mentioned Hurry because, I mean, obviously had like one of the sickest Yamoja alts um, yeah. we've seen in competitive play this week. Uh, he's looked really good. How, how have you like spent extra time talking with him about just like support mentality or ways that you would play situations and that kind of stuff or uh has it been kind of the same as uh working with everybody else i think at the beginning i spent a little bit more time with that and i think in general i still do just because it's the role most familiar with like honestly the person i give the least of that kind of stuff to in terms of like the general gameplay is haddock just because i feel like solene is so unique in particular in that way where i'm not going to know the matchups like he does i'm not going to know x or y mm-hmm. in team fights and whatnot maybe i'll have more input but i feel like for a lot of like the general micro plays i, I can talk to hurry about it and he's really receptive but for the most part he doesn't need that much instruction like sometimes i'll, I'll go back to something big hey like i think what do you think about playing it like slower and playing it this way or holding your ability for this and most of the time he's like yeah i was thinking about that i just knew that was like a mistake when i did it mm-hmm. so i think that he's got really good instincts and i also understand that me and him are different players as well. Like some suggestions I give to him, uh, I know that one, I'm not infallible. So some suggestions I give to him, he's like, yeah, I'll I'll think about that, but I don't really press him to do anything he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Because like when I played, I wasn't a perfect player either, right? I had my own style. I was good at some things, worse at others. So I think it's good that he just kind of takes the input and then uh, processes it and uses it as he sees. But he's definitely the player I would say I still give the most... I have the most under a microscope just because it's, I think, the one that I have the most ability to help give perspective on. Mm-hmm. I think that I can give help, and I do give help to other people as well. But uh, I just think that it's harder for me to give ADC advice to someone like Bear in terms of, like, a micro thing. As Not today. To telling. <laughs> well, sometimes they make it really easy for me. But I, I think my specialty comes from, like, just, just map play and macro play and then talking about how the team should be setting things up and trying to help them give direction to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's general for everybody mostly, but then, yeah, I can go a bit more specifically with Tyler sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're just really good at, I mean, you touched on it, but just nailing in the fundamentals and kind of bring us back to a base of what we should be focusing on, whether it's like a scrim set or whether it's like this week or like if another team's doing something that we should be doing. um, I think you do a good job of like, kind of enforcing us to not show up to scrims and be like, okay, what are we picking today? What are we playing today? Like, there's a normally, like, a guideline of what we should be playing. Um, but also, like, everyone on the team is already doing that, but Neil is, like, kind of the, the final hammer. Mm-hmm. The, the, the head honcho hammer, <laughs> if you will. Um, he's also nice about <laughs> calling us stupid or, like, he's very... What you Very mean? kind in his words. <laughs> <laughs> really is. But he, he goes about things in a nice way to where you don't feel, like, stupid about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very, very nice. You don't feel like you're, like, arguing with someone. It's more of a conversation than a, a debate, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, Barra, uh, uh, Neil, I'll also ask you this, but uh, I've been wondering about the team dynamic for the Ravens because so often in Smite's history, I would say the vast majority of teams fall into the stereotype of one to two very talkative players and then two to three uh, or maybe one to zero to like medium talkers and then one or two players who say next to nothing um, and just focus on hitting their stuff. And that has kind of gradually become less and less true throughout the years that people have mm-hmm. become more and more ingrained in the game and understand that communication is a big part of it. But I feel like this Ravens team is one that I look at as all five of you are known to be pretty good communicators uh, in your roles um, and have pretty strong voices about what you want to do in game. Um, Do you think that this team has been different in that regard than other teams? Uh, And how difficult was it to like find who was doing the majority of the, you know, shot calling in the early game versus the mid game versus the late game and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think we're still kind of working on this. Uh, game days especially, because uh, everyone obviously talks more on game days and takes it more seriously. Right. Which sometimes leads to issues of too many people talking, too many plans going on. And then we're too busy talking, making a plan where we're not doing anything on the map for like 15 to 30 seconds because we're all like discussing like what our next play should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which I think is something which will be ironed out. But... Uh, to your point, I've never been on a team with this many people that communicate at the same time. Right. Um, it's team fights were really hard for me in the beginning. Like I was saying literally nothing in the beginning. Like mm. once we joined as a team, like I couldn't get a word in in team fights. Mm-hmm. And it was also really confusing for me because I'm normally pretty talkative in team fights um, to say like next to nothing. So I think we're still kind of cranking each of our knobs for communicating at different points of the game, trying to figure out like. Um, in the late game, who wants to be not the main shot caller? I don't think we'll ever have a main shot caller, but the voice that everyone listens to, um, and also like figuring out like what we're doing in the team fights and like what page, whose page we're on, basically for each team fight and each objective. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, I think that is something we need to like speed up sometimes because we'll be kind of slow to like mm-hmm. make our play. Um, which I think we are getting better at, and I'm definitely getting more used to Scream and Hurry than I was at the beginning. The beginning, I was pretty rough communicating with them. Um, just I didn't really know how they worked in a team fight and what kind of what plays and what style they would go for in like early early game, mid game, late game. Just adjusting to two different rotators is was pretty hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely getting more used to it. But I think that's our biggest issue right now is just kind of quickening our plays right now um which i'm not really worried about it it's just i think that's like our major issue sure yeah neil how does this team uh communication wise compare to other teams that you've been a part of yeah this team definitely everyone is like talking if anything on most teams i've played on the the problem is not everyone's talking it's like one or two voices on this team uh especially in spl sometimes it's like everyone's talking it's hard to even know what we're supposed to be doing period because everyone's saying different stuff. But uh, I think we're doing a good job of, of trying to stay on top of it. And we have conversations somewhat consistently about comms and how we should be setting up fights and getting everyone on the same page has kind of been 
the biggest thing we've been working on is just understanding okay what is like what are we going to be doing and how are we going to do it mm -hmm. and what is everyone's role in doing that and it's a lot of moving pieces in the game and it's hard to set up but i think uh as time goes on we'll just get more used to each other and i think that we've been doing a good job of progressing forward in that way because mm -hmm. it is a really complex thing and every single game is going to be different right like if you're playing a really tight five five man team comp and you're playing off your carries it's going to be different people directing mm -hmm. whereas if you're diving really hard it's going to be a whole different set of people kind of directing what's happening and mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of just like a, a thing that each game is going to look different and we're working on it but i think that we're having a good understanding of how to go about it mm -hmm. and i think that it's a good thing that everyone has so many good ideas it's just going to be about narrowing down to who should be talking and when and, and how much right but mm -hmm. it has been very different from other teams just because we have so many people who have strong opinions about the game and who are also talkative yeah yeah i mean i think it's a it's an aspect of the game that gets talked about a, a little bit but certainly not as much as it doesn't get talked about proportionally to how important it is to a team's success on like how they communicate as a team. You know, there are players who we talk about as shot callers and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Like, I think everyone who hasn't played competitively probably imagines a shot caller being like the Pain Divion. Pain Divion. The, the yeah. Elion, you know, the like the Starcraft mastermind that's uh, yeah. puppeteering the entire team. And in reality, that just isn't how it works. Uh I don't know any team that operates in that way. Um, it is, uh, you know, you'll have someone who handles talking about, you know, how the, how they want to start a fight and someone who's talking about who their you know, who the target priority should be. And then someone else is bringing up, okay, if we win a fight, we're going to go, we're going to move straight to gold or straight to fire. Like we're all going to back here. Like everyone kind of assumes these little roles and there are a lot, it is, way more than you think of those like little things that someone has to be keeping track of and especially when you don't have that puppet master that doesn't exist anymore it means that everyone has got to do their own little piece of that puzzle and making that puzzle like smooth is uh difficult um mm -hmm. you know there's just so many so many moving pieces but uh that was some of the most fun i mi i miss the days where uh teams didn't this could be taken weirdly out of context. I miss the days where a lot of teams didn't have coaches because I could go into the into the coaching booth and listen to their comms during the games because there wasn't a coach there to listen to the comms. And that was some of my favorite smite I've ever watched is getting a chance to just sit in and, in a real live SPL match and listen to comms and uh, figure out, you know, who's, who's contributing what to, like, the team environment, um, I think is really interesting stuff um mm -hmm. that you know there's been some content released kind of along those lines but with strategies and all that kind of stuff it's kind of hard to um to make that content consistently yeah i would love like a funny moments montage of like voice recordings from spl matches because mm -hmm. yes our team says a lot of stupid things and oh, you can boy. make a whole montage out of just us yeah we definitely talked about doing that many times while i was in esports there were just a lot of issues with like someone has to go back and watch all of that footage to like find those moments. And there were, there was a time where admins, because they're in comms, like in the booths with the players, obviously. So they would like, if they heard something funny 
they would like market the time and game so that the production team could go back and like pull it. But then it's like, it needs this whole approval process from the mm. team that it can be released. And it's just like so many hoops to jump through for like fairly short content that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they're still planning on doing things like that, but, uh, it is, it is really good stuff. One of the funniest moments of my life potentially was listening in mm-hmm. on some, on the comms of some like all-star event, uh, where meerkat it was like meerkat god who was on that team Mirk would probably remember i think it was meerkat baskin uh how long ago was this it was so long ago it was like a it was a sc it was an scl lan like it was a console lan and a pc lan who else is on that team there was some there was someone with some really good dry humor on that team. There's a tweet thread on my Twitter somewhere because I was just tweeting out like quotes. I think it was Cherio was on that team, maybe. I don't know. Meerkat got soloed by Just Lion, a PS4 player in ADC, like <laughs> twice. And obviously everyone was just ragging out of it. At one <laughs> Meerkat is about to get soloed and he's just going, Oh my god, I'm getting PS4'd on. Like he was just <laughs> extremely Meerkat voice. Uh it was absolutely awesome. Someone should go and find that thread. Uh, it is just a gold mine. Um, just so funny. Uh, anyways, um, Neil, I also wanted to ask you about, uh, you didn't start the season um, on the Highland Ravens. You were the coach for uh, Sam for Soccer's team as they tried to qualify to the SPL. Um, take me through that uh, event a little bit as a coach and then kind of like how you ended up on the Ravens after that. But I'm curious on that event from, uh, from your perspective. Yeah. Those events are always, well, the most stressful for everybody and also the weirdest because you're kind of like the Guinea pigs of the new season. Yep. But it's also like literally the biggest tournament of the year. Even like for those players, it's bigger than winning worlds in terms of money. Yep. Like financial security. Yep. And so there's like a lot of stress around it. There's a lot of like new variables that people don't know. No metas have really been fleshed out. You're not really practicing against many of the teams in the tournament, so it's weird. And I think that uh, we had a really good team. I think that we had a bit of trouble kind of pulling it together. I think that we like put ourselves in really good spots to win the tournament. But I think there's like a lot of curveballs and weird stuff that happens, like in terms of like the meta picks and your grasp on the meta versus other people's for like such a short period of time can make it strange. Mm-hmm. But I think that we had our chances and we had good shots and they're all really good players, but just kind of, I, th- I think it was just a, a lot of pressure and then just kind of a few key moments went wrong. And sometimes that's just how tournaments like those go. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that not to say other teams don't deserve it. Obviously the result is the result, but it was obviously a bit uh, disappointing for everybody. And watching when you coach at those tournaments is like so much more stressful than playing. Cause when you're a player, mm-hmm. you're like just in the moment and it's just, like, you're not focusing on, like, the result or anything. You're just kind of taking it play-by-play. Play. Mm-hmm. And when you're coaching, you have no control at all. And you're yep. removed from the situation. You're just watching it. everything happen. You can see everything, like, as things are about to go terribly wrong, someone's like, we should do this. And you're like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then, like, oh, man. But it's it's just crazy to watch. But, yeah, obviously didn't end up qualifying, which was heartbreaking for everybody. All those guys were amazing. And then... um I basically just didn't really have a spot as a coach, which was a bit disheartening for me because from my own perspective, I felt like I could bring a lot of value to a team specifically because I've just been 
like a, a relatively successful player and played a lot around a lot of players who had good opinions about the games and seen a lot. And I thought I could bring a lot to uh, any team I played on, really, or coach rather. And then, um, for whatever reason, Mask didn't want to coach this year, and the Ravens just said, "Hey, like, like you, we we basically just think that you're the next guy up. You wanna you wanna have a chance at it." And I obviously jumped on. I thought it was like a really good group of guys to work with, mm-hmm. good attitudes, and I didn't really know how it was gonna be, but everyone was really receptive, and so it's a really easy environment to work with the guys are pretty good at understanding uh what is going wrong a lot of the time too which which sometimes can make my job a bit hard because a lot of times a lot of the input i'm going to sell them after games like even during spl a lot of it they they recognize like we messed this up and like this is a problem we should change this and i was like literally looking at what i've written down i'm like yep that's, <laughs> that's what i wrote down too like yeah. you got you got it like it's exactly what i was thinking mm-hmm. but um i think that it's, it's just been great working there in so far. Everyone gets along well, so it's a good team dynamic for sure. Yeah, I can uh, I can agree with, from a different perspective, um, thinking about those exact same games because, you know, I as I've talked about on this podcast, Sam for soccer is one of my best friends and uh, was really rooting for him to qualify. And if I were casting those games, even knowing that I want Sam to qualify, whatever it is, uh, I would not have been a single ounce stressed while I was casting because I would have just been focused mm-hmm. on casting um, and doing my job properly and, and all that kind of stuff. And then afterwards I would have been like, Oh wait, like that sucks. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like this detachment where you're just so focused on executing that you don't, the, the moment doesn't really like hit you at all. Um, I mean, I could say the same for casting like in the finals. Um my first year, I mean, every every single year, I got really nervous right before the finals. Uh, and then as soon as it would come to us, uh, I wouldn't even register that we were, like, casting a final. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would just be, uh, do it, you, you don't even think about it. It's just, like, you're just doing it again, What something that you've done 100,000 times. Uh, but watching those games, like, as a spectator who cared about the outcome for the first time and literally that was like the first set as a spectator that i really cared about who won in since season two uh yeah that like that long which is crazy to think about you know it was that's it for me felt like watching cherry at worlds the last two times like i was stressed out during cherry sets and then watching sam set like equally stressed me out just Mm -hmm. knowing that how good he is and how good everyone on that team is mm-hmm. and just watch them like constantly underperform on like either teamwork or individual plays like dude that's a stress i think i legit got like anxiety from that like that's it stressed me out like if i was playing i would never be stressed or never nope. be like anxious i would be like semi-excited or like nervous but i'm always that way when i play mm-hmm. but it would never reach that level of stress or anxiousness. Like, nope. It is so much easier to be in the game than it is to watch the game. Yep, for sure. Not even close. Hey, uh, Barra, who was the one who you were stressed uh, when Cherry was playing in those final sets, and you know they were up a lot of games, and all of a sudden they just like start losing. Like, who was? Mm-hmm. Do you remember who was doing that to him? Uh, I'm having a tough time remembering. Neil, yeah, any I don't know. I don't think it was either me or you, Agro. I don't no, think we it definitely were in those wasn't games. me. I, I was casting some of those. Yeah, you were casting. Uh, I don't think I was playing. <laughs> Neil? 
Neil, I had to do it to him. It's him or me, man. It's him or me. And they had their chance. I mean, that's on them. That's not on me. That's on them. Hey. That was a heartbreaking set, dude. Both Tough. of those sets. I disagree. I thought it was pretty cool. Hey, to each their own. Uh, to each their own. Um, I mean, how can you hate the whiplash play that Agro called? Yeah. The whiplash how play. How can you hate it? I don't yeah. even remember that play, to be honest. What was it? One... Okay, we went to gank vote, and then while we did that, we did pyro. Uh-huh. And then when they went to rotate, after pyro, they pulled fire. Uh-huh. And we got fire, and they're running back to fire. We got the fire, and then when they were, we got the fire and got out, we did gold at the same time. Man, you you give them whiplash. That's, That's a gr- what you said. That's yeah. a great call from me. Huh? It was a great call. We can pull it right now. <laughs> watch it at the end if you want. I kind of do. Goodness. Yeah, I kind of do that. Okay, sounds, I'll that find like it fun. and we'll I'll, I'll link it. I'll remind us. Yes, excellent. I've got. A, I, wrote, I had a moment that I wanted to watch with you, but that's for after stream. So it's uh, we, now we've got a little Ooh, little excited. vod review. <laughs> yeah. right after this. This, we're walking into Neil's territory now with uh, with vod review. That's like his thing oh. now. It's He's pulling yeah, you me. in, Agro. Yeah, yeah, I love the vod it. review. <laughs> no, I, listen. If I were not uh, employed uh, by High Res Studios, I've said for a long time that I think coaching would be a ton of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I love working with like a small group to, you know, m- get better and improve and um, focus hyper focus on little things. Like I think all of that is really fun. Uh, and mm-hmm. if I were allowed to coach, I would definitely try to do so. Um, but yeah. obviously, I can't, it's... so uh, I won't. It's interesting because it's it's tough for like different reasons too. Like it's hard to, you can't talk about too much at once. Right. Because a lot of coaching I've learned as well. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, but it's like, how do you teach people effectively? Yeah. And like, I remember with, with, with the team, like uh, the Wargs and I was coaching them. Uh, I remember I was, we were like working on some fundamentals. And after we worked on some fundamentals, we were trying to get a bit more specific. Mm-hmm. and at, they hadn't like finished like figuring out like their system their structure the team and as we were trying to introduce more things and by the end of it people were just like i'm just so like burnt out and confused and there's so much information i'm trying to remember like it's too much right and so it's kind of difficult to juggle this balance of like how much time do you want to spend on one thing and then try and be adding new things mm-hmm. without having discarded the old things and without overwhelming people so they can't remember anything right Yep. So it's interesting to just think about this like this balance of here's the information I want to tell them, but I can't always tell them everything, and we can't go through everything for sake of time and yep. for other factors. Like I said, for just for trying to learn too much at once is just is detrimental to itself in a way too. So yep. mm-hmm. it's definitely that's one of the things too I've noticed is kind of um, a hurdle with coaching that I didn't really expect, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I remembered what the my final coaching question that I had for you before we move on to talking about bonus balance. Um, throughout the years, you know, I've done a lot of interviews with coaches. Check out all the old round coaches roundtables and that kind of stuff. It's all still very good content. Um, and I think that a lot of coaches in Smite have told me, um, you know, Biggie comes to mind. Uh, Chuckles um, has talked about this a good amount. Good old Chuck. Uh, the the fact that what they do isn't as much of in-game, you know, working on giving players advice on in-game stuff at times. You know, there's a little bit of that. Uh, there's a little bit of, like, picks and bands work and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of it is just, like, teaching the team how to work as a team and helping individuals 
as individuals and, and ha- teaching them how to work in a group and that kind of stuff and being more like um, less about smite coaches and more about like personal coaches on how to interact in a team environment. Have you found that you've done more like just from what, you know, you remember other coaches that you've worked with doing, like, do you think that you've also done a lot of that so far? Or have you been mostly doing the, the in-game stuff more than um, what a lot of coaches have described up until this point? I think for my perspective, at least I feel like I've been doing more in-game stuff about like, especially since I came from the preseason tournament with the wargs and everything, being able to watch it from a coach's perspective, I think, well, firstly, it has actually taught me a lot about the game. Mm-hmm. Seeing it from that perspective, I feel like just gives you another angle. And when you're playing, you see the map much more narrowly. So I think when we first came over, I had a lot of experience already with how I felt we should be playing the map from the Warwick. So I thought I had a lot of impact there. But also generally, I just feel like this team doesn't need a whole lot of navigating personality-wise. Everyone gets along really well and clicks really well. And I think one area we struggle with interpersonally is sometimes we'll be saying the same things and we'll kind of not realize we're saying the same things. We'll be agreeing about things and be talking (laughs) about it for like 20 minutes. So that's like the one thing I think interpersonally where it's like, okay, like I think we're saying this guy's saying the same thing as you Mm -hmm. in general, sometimes specific, we don't agree. But for the most part, I think I've been more of like, um, like an in-game, like smite coach being like, I think that we, when you make this rotation, it's really bad for this reason. It might've worked out in this scenario, but I think in general, it's kind of bad. Or think that like when we're setting up for like this objective, we should be doing it this way and be looking at it from this kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Or being like we are doing this like really badly and something we need to improve on. From my perspective, and so I feel like I've been impacting the team more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because I've had a lot of playing experience that kind of has allowed me to give that kind of view. Because a bit of a rant here, but I feel like when you look at like traditional sports you see a lot of like really old coaches, like everyone's quite elderly typically because they've been around the game for like 50 years. Mm -hmm. And so when you have this 20 year old come to the league, it's like this dude is like four times your age and knows way more than you because they've been around the game. Mm -hmm. Oh, something like Smite, it's only been out a decade and the coaches and the players have been playing the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the players will just know more than the coaches just inherently, Mm -hmm. right? When you play it at that top level, that's the best experience you can get and you have the best understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. So esports is really interesting in that way. So I think having the experience of being a player kind of enables you to have more ability to help with in-game stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm some mastermind here telling them exactly what to do, right? It's a lot of give and take, and I give my opinions. But I think that a lot of what I've been doing has been more so in-game than interpersonal. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes yeah, sense. I would definitely, definitely agree with Neil as well uh, for the in-game stuff. Um, I don't think our team really needs him to like facilitate conversations or facilitate people's ideas because mm-hmm. um, people are pretty stubborn sometimes on this team. So he kind of lets us hash it out versus like because no one is really getting like angry with each other. People will be like stern with each other, but never like straight up yelling or angry or anything. Um but that's just, like, people need to get their emotions out so he doesn't stop us from getting our emotions out. And I think that's a healthy thing. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're, like, if I'm mad at Hurry for doing something, he just lets me, like, talk to Hurry for a little bit and then we work through it or me or whoever else. Um, and I think that's the healthiest way to do it. Because sometimes it's like, if he interrupts, then 
the player will feel like they didn't get their full opinion out mm-hmm. um, or still feel like a slight disagreement with that person. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think our team really needs that. We just need more of the in-game stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, all right, two more quick questions before we move on to bonus balance. I know this is the last one, but I lied. Um, a question from chat here. Oni Kakarot wanted to know if it's harder to coach or to play for you, Neil. I think it's just way hard to play because, like, as a coach, you have impact. But like, once the like once they're in the booth and they're playing, I mean, you could have like a perfect draft and they could lose, or you could have like a really bad draft and like they could just stomp them. Right? Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to the players. The coaches can be really a helpful tool for the players, but I mean, for some teams, like they probably don't have. For some teams, their coach probably doesn't do a ton of in-game stuff for them, but they could still be really successful, right? So, mm-hmm. from my perspective, I think that playing is always going to be harder because the onus is on you. Mm-hmm. Although that being said, sometimes people just can't just can't agree if a coach does like everything or nothing. Sure. Like, I remember yeah. after we like after the tournament, people were just like, "Wow, like uh, such a coach diff." Like, like they, their <laughs> drafts were so bad, and I was like, "Where's this?" Isn't that usually people are just, like, flaming the players? Like, what is happening? Yeah. I'm so confused. No, that's... And I was then... going to say, Barra's teams always get flamed for their drafts. Yep. So, like, that is a 10-year-long yeah. thing where yeah. Barra's teams draft poorly. And I don't know and why. Get roasted forward on Reddit. Uh, yep. And that will now fall at your feet, <laughs> Neil. Because I just yeah. control all of our drafts, unfortunately. So yeah, that's at first, really inexplicably, unlike. because you've been yeah. terrible at drafting for 10 uh-huh. years. But they All keep giving you the keys. Way. They just keep giving <laughs> exactly. you the keys. Yeah. Also, this kind of goes to what Neil was talking about earlier. Like, um, people were mad at us for picking up Neil. They were like, why did you pick up a coach that got reverse swept? And we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I was, I was no, like, like, oh, my bad. Like, we were up like 20K in a game and we lost. Like, I don't really yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, are you serious? How is that your... Okay. You keep going. Yeah, bro. people like, can't decide if coaches do nothing or they like are responsible for everything and i was like you gotta pick one man <laughs> yeah yeah who knows uh it's they won't by the way uh pick yeah one. they won't they won't they will continue coach to canyon. pick both um, chuckles and there's nothing you can do <laughs> coach canyon tv <laughs> what happened what happened last time we played chuck huh what happened there buddy 101 the year buddy <laughs> I'm keeping track all year. That has got to be, uh, that had to be the win you wanted the most, Neil, right? To beat Chuck in the head-to-head in the SPL? I would never wish ill will against my <laughs> good friend, and I don't care at all if we beat him, but for the record, we did. Mm. 2-0, by the way. Mm. For the record. I mean, the record. For the record. It, so it's not, you know, just how it be. Uh, nothing you can do about that. <laughs> all right, last question about coaching uh, before we move on to bonus balance. Neil, you played against young young barry here for years in the league for years so and years young. And years. uh so young so young just <laughs> so young uh what were once you joined the team environment and started oh, working no. with barry as a teammate <clears throat> were there anything was there anything that you were surprised by that you did not expect after playing against him for so long you figured it might be like this it turned <laughs> out to be like that <laughs> i know what he's gonna say yeah, I was actually, I, I actually was a little bit surprised that he trolled so much at practice. He, he loves it. Every, I think everyone like you, you every now and then you're just gonna wake up and feel a bit goofy. Like you can't just give 100 percent every day. You get burnt out. But, but he gets a bit guy. goofy in practice. But I was, I, I don't really think I was too surprised by too much because I always thought that he was like a good vocal 
ADC, and that that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of hard. I didn't really have too many perceptions, especially from ADC players, because a lot of them, you just kind of expect them to sit in the corner and like do their thing, <laughs> and some of them do. Uh-huh. But he's he's a good vocal player, and he has really good comps and team fights. So I I really like when I joined this team, I really didn't have any problems to how anyone like was trying to communicate or how anyone played the game i thought that it was like everyone has like a really good balance on the team and i think everyone's like has a really easy skill set to work with in general Mm -hmm. yeah fair enough i mean it's clearly uh it's clearly been working for the ravens so far um and it's been fun to watch okay let's talk uh, bonus balance real quick as we're already uh, pushing up against our timer um let's talk about uh crit nerfs first um deathbringer loses 10 power that means both of its glyphs uh but also in venom deathbringer loses the slow on uh on its passive trigger demon blade loses five power five percent attack speed and five percent bonus attack speed on the passive and bladed boomerang uh decreased movement speed on the passive from four percent per stack to two percent per stack so it used to be 12 percent max now it's six percent max uh Barra, how do you think this impacts uh the adc build moving forward um pretty big i want to say i think people are already moving away from boomerang on most gods maybe they'll still build on on like izanami Mm -hmm. um, but i think people are moving away from it so i think people will be steadily moving away from it now with the um the cowl devos build coming out with the it's like wind demon deathfinger and then you just need more penetration now so uh, people have been moving away from Boomerang onto like Exe or Dom now, so you get the double penetration from that. Um, I think people will try out some pin builds, some yellow damage builds, but probably not Ovo, because Ovo has just felt so bad since Prophetic has came out. Um, also, there's not a great like percent pin options to m- make your Ovo do more damage, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I don't think Dom and Exe are like great, it's only Titan's Bane, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if people will be going towards Ovo, probably. Probably a mix of Kin's builds with a uh, single crit or double crit. Probably still a lot of cowls. Um, I think I'm the only person really going the gilded build. Um, yeah, I I think it was pretty necessary as well because I think crit was a little overstated. And also from the kind of noob perspective, noobs hate getting crit. Also pro players hate getting crit, as I've learned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um it's it's literally a mental thing. I don't know why. If I'm dead in that scenario, I'll be like, oh, it's because they crit me. Yep. And, like, I'm always dead in that scenario. And I'm always probably going to go off the, the same amount of damage, but I just died, and there was a big, like, number. Yeah. Um, it's, it was it's just red. a mental thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so nerfing the stats on all the items probably making all the noobs happy, I would assume, because um, they were saying that those items were way overstated anyways. Um, the Bloodforge hit was unexpected because I thought people were just going into Devos because Devos has been feel- feeling better for a while. Um, so that was kind of surprising, but probably, I guess, for noobs, I guess, maybe. Yeah, Bloodforge uh, lost 10 power from 65 to 55 and decreased the movement speed on the passive trigger from 10% to 7%. Um, yeah, I could say that we didn't have dev notes on these bonus balance notes, but we typically do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they would mention that Deathbringer uh, is still one of the most popular items in the game uh, and was also very winning. Um, a lot of times the more popular an item is, the the less 
its win percentage is impressive because if it's mm-hmm. in more games, it, that means it's going to lose a lot of games as well as win a lot of games. But yep. um, it was definitely still performing well. Uh, and, you know, the, the Reddit thread on the bonus balance notes um, mention the attack speed on Bloodforge being a big problem. You know, I think I can safely say that, you know, we hear that feedback and are, you know, considering what we want to do uh, with Bloodforge in the future. Um, I will say that I think it is, uh, I find, I, I always find it interesting when fans of, uh, an item or a God, uh, lobby for it to return to a former glory that was not very glorious, you know? Um, yeah, I think Bloodforge was a dead item for years, so. Yeah, this is, it really has been. Like, it's it's always been a fun item. There's just so much discussion around this, like, its identity as an item. It's this high power, like, curve ender. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just, like, wasn't ever bought um, in high-level play. And that's not to say that every item needs to be bought in high-level play, or that is, you know, whatever whatever discussion you want to have, I think, is, is valid there. But um, I do think that people forget that this item was not, good in that state Mm -hmm. um and whether you know if that is overall better for the game and for the item individually for it to be in that state that is a fine conversation to have Uh, i'm not i'm not here to to dismiss that or anything like that and i think it's um an important one to have but i don't know i just like it's it's so uh there's just a there's a lot of noise about that one in particular and i don't know i guess it just kind of surprises me exactly how honed in um Mm -hmm. they are on that yeah neil any any thoughts on that i thought this whole patch was like really good i think like Mm -hmm. at least all the nerfs i think there's some other things that could be a little bit nerfed but overall like crit is just overwhelming and i think that a lot of the crit junglers don't feel fair and there's a lot of junglers that are just like randomly played because you can crit and are good like throughout the whole game like Mm -hmm. i thought it was pretty weird that baka just kind of like was good the whole game now because he just builds all the crit items He's super mm-hmm. OP early game. His mid game is really strong. His late game is really strong. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of um, those crit items were a bit overtuned. Like Boomerang, especially for junglers, is like really oppressive mm-hmm. on the characters that used it well. So I like those nerfs. I think the Deathbringer, like the Invenom one, is just it had too many things on it. Like the text is just too long. Mm-hmm. Not that it should have that much text. There's too much stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like shredding shields. It was like anti healing. It was like slowing. It's like okay, it probably needs to be tuned down. Mm-hmm. And like you said, still probably really good. The Demon Blade nerf, I'm, that's the one where I'm like, I'm not sure if you need to nerf that one so bad because yeah. the, now crit's like fully dead because mm-hmm. you nerfed all three crit items, maybe you nerfed two of them. Mm-hmm. But I think the Blood Forge nerf makes a lot of sense. I just felt like it was just the same thing. It just had too much on it. Like it had move speed. It has a good pass. It had a lot of power. It had lifesteal. Like and it's got attack speed as well. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a dual item. And the, in some cases, you look at Dev's Gloves and you're like, if you compare them one to one, they weren't even that far off. Only you had to stack one. Right. So I think that's kind of weird that, like, you could buy one outright and it has a similar kind of feel to it as the one you had to stack. Mm-hmm. So I think Bloodforge kind of needed a nerf in that way too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fair, and I, and it was really good on junglers too because of the move speed now. So I think it's kind of shifted it to more of like a jungler item, mm-hmm. which I think is fine. The ten less power, maybe junglers will favor it less, but I still feel like it's a tax speed, move speed, power, life steal. It kind of is dual item for junglers still. So yeah, maybe we'll see serrated instead of it a bit more. Sure, but 
I think that's just healthy. The item was just really powerful, bought by multiple rolls all the time, does a lot of good stuff. It probably should have seen a nerf, so. Yeah, and like then Hydra's alongside it, talking about assassins, yeah, same, uh, 5% off the passive. Um, mm -hmm. Hydra's just really, really good. Uh, For yeah. sure. It is, I think it's still going to be really good. I saw some comparisons to Polynomicon. Uh, Poly definitely hits significantly mm -hmm. harder, but the difference between a two-second ICD and, a, and zero ICD is enormous. Kind of um, large, yeah. yeah. yeah and it's even a, just the numbers on it. Like, right. it gives you pen and cooldown. Like, Poly doesn't do that. Yep, that's true. It does neither of those things. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously some pretty big damage hits across the board because we aren't done there. Doomorb loses 15 power. Spear of Desolation loses 10 power. Tahuti loses 10 power and 5% damage increase off the passive. And Spear of the Magus, uh, passive debuff goes from 9% to 5%. So mage damage uh, coming down pretty uh, pretty drastically if they're building all of these items, which some a lot of characters were. Uh, I've seen a lot of discussion on the Magus change, feeling like 9% to 5% is a little intense. Um... I do, you know, obviously it see it it has a lot of like whoa, it's almost cut in half like when you read it off the page. I would say that if you looked at an item if you looked at that item as it reads now for the very first time, you've never seen Spear of the Magus before, you read this passive, you're like, "Oh, that it that's got to be really good." Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I still think that gods who use Magus well, uh Anubis, Merlin, you know, those types of gods they are still going to buy Magus and feel like this is a really good power spike for me and for my team because it isn't just remember you deal more damage it's they take more damage from all sources um so I don't know I, I feel like Magus is still going to be pretty viable uh and pretty and pretty good in the mid lane any uh do you guys feel differently at all around Magus uh I feel like mages needed a nerf um mm -hmm. also the Magus nerf I feel like you're still just going to build the item when you were building it before. Yep. Because uh, I still feel like that item's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Neil? I feel that way for all the items. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that the items were all just overtuned. Like, I look at all the item nerfs, so, like, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, do more mm -hmm. 15 power. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. They give it pen just randomly, and it gives you rotational power at MP5. Like, you're, like, a walking fountain MP5-wise. Like, take some power off, sure. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Deso, like, way too cheap, way too much power. That makes sense. The rod, rod, same thing as Doomor, just does everything. It's just really broken. Magus, I, I might have just like, I, I don't think it's like a bad item or anything, but maybe it would be interesting to see, like you take, you leave the passive the way it was and take some pen off of like the actual item itself. Maybe, mm. maybe that feels better as like an option for, say like a like a support who wants to build it or something instead maybe there's more viability for that mm. for like a luxury on for support well maybe. it needs to be it needs to have pen in order to be in that tree uh yeah but just maybe maybe take four pen off of like the actual thing and leave the passive as it was at nine percent maybe an idea yeah i don't think we have any tier Not three sure. items that are below it's usual like yeah. tier threes are either eight percent or sixteen percent mm -hmm. you know formally yeah ten or twenty um it's not to say that we can't do something mm -hmm. like that um but it would we would have to have pretty good reason and feel like that yeah. is by far the best change in order to break convention mm -hmm. in that way i think mm -hmm. I, I could see the item getting picked up less and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing sure like maybe people will just build like a mirrodin in place of that 
or maybe they'll just go like a soul reaver a bit earlier maybe at may is like last or something mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised to see it fall down a little bit on the tier list but mm -hmm. i still think it's fine like you guys were saying as well i think it's still like a good item mm -hmm. but it does feel bad and i feel like that's gonna spark a lot of change in people's builds and just like ah it feels bad now it's not as good it's a mental thing yeah yeah yes. maybe yeah i mean it should be worse it's usually a good sign uh when you can nerf something and it's still it still is good it's just For less sure. good that is usually a sign that it was a, a, a solid nerf candidate and mm -hmm. sometimes it is intent for things to be nerfed out of the meta um sometimes it isn't and uh it is up to you the players to decide what we were trying to do um, so you're gonna buff the bow tree or what? That's up to that's up to us in the future, I suppose. Kind of does need to be buffed, honestly. Aphrodite uh, gets, <laughs> gets nerfed. Uh, her protections go uh, that she's sharing go from 15 to 10 percent, and the jealousy damage buff uh, was eight to 20 percent is now five to 15 percent. And then Martikaros loses some movement speed on the three and some prot shred on the alt. Uh, Thoughts did on Neo just scratch our heads at the exact same time. Yeah, you kind of did, huh? Some good synergy. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what he's been coaching. It's just like perfect, <laughs> like okay. And then you take your right hand, and it's two strokes, <laughs> yeah, two little rubs of the chin. Like, half of what I do is like when you're done game, everyone like count to three, take your headset off, yep. two breaths, stand up at the same time. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that would be intimidating if you saw the enemy team do the headset takeoff, stand up, oh. and then like. You rub their hands or, like, you know, grab rub something in the same way. Rub their bellies, I Just guess. Like, these that guys be, are robots, man. That would like, be, I'd be like, oh, my on. God, what is going on over there? They're, it's just their day, you know? You don't know that they are a well machine. It. They can't be stopped. Yeah. Okay, well, now you know what you're working on in practice this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, thoughts on Aphrodite or Martikaros here, Neil? Do you feel like they are, uh, at a competitive level, um, significantly worse, mildly worse, dead, the same? um it's hard to say for the afro one because she literally just got changed like not too long ago from 20 to 15 mm -hmm. and i feel like this double nerf might kind of put her more to the ground mm -hmm. like i felt really strong about this character for a while that she was like really not balanced and there's like a lot of different ways you could play her and like just the fact that her sustain feels like really significant in the early mid game now just based on like how they did the global healing changes and whatnot and everything's based now it felt like pretty significant mm -hmm. she felt really good now it kind of feels like her numbers, like, over the last month have been halved pretty well. I think the Jealousy debuff, like, damage buff reduction is, like, really good. Because that was overtuned. The Prots, I'm not so sure if, like, 20 to 15 was already enough and now it's another 5 off. I'm not sure if that's going to kill the character or not. Mm -hmm. I, I might have maybe liked to see one nerf at a time. But, honestly, I, I feel like that character was just really, really broken, like, those two changes they made where she shares Proth and Jealousy damages was really overtuned, so I'm glad to see the nerf. Not sure if she'll be played as much anymore, hard to say, but the Marty nerf, I think they're both really good. I don't think... They're kind of like the nerf where they kind of slap you on the wrist a bit. It's just, like, a really powerful character. Let's give him a few nerfs that aren't going to, like, obviously aren't going to kill him, but they're going to make him inherently worse. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he's still kind of the same character, but just... His numbers have barely been touched down. I really don't think those nerfs on Marty are going to do anything to the character. Still be still be top pick, top band potential. Uh, Potentially, yeah. I think that yep. teams aren't really sure still how they want to value him, but right. 
but I think he's still going to be picked for sure, banned for sure. His, his pick ban was super high, like 94%, I think, last week, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. But his win rate was very low, um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll see. Barry, your, your thoughts on these two? Uh, Afro is a character where I really don't know how I feel about her, because on release, she was absolutely cracked. And then I feel like... In every rank game, she's been banned, and I haven't had much experience against her, and I just don't really know how I feel about the character as mm-hmm. a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, whether she's like still OP, whether both the nerfs like make her dead, um, whether she's playable, and then so Afro like I I think most teams are kind of up in the air about the meta in general right now. Um, with like what characters are good, what characters are bad, like what to pick where in your draft. I think this is the most like up in the air the meta's been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the Marty ban or the Marty uh, change doesn't really do too much in my opinion. Mm. Fair enough. We'll still see some Marty. I mean, he uh... definitely needed yeah, a nerf, but it's uh, I don't. I think as Neil said, I think it's more of a slap on the wrist nerf, which in my opinion it's a bonus patch, so it's, it's fine. Like. I, don't think he needs to like die in a bonus patch. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think that makes sense. Um, all right. That uh, that does it for our normal um, episode. Let's uh, let's go on to our random question of the week, of course, which is found in our Patreon uh, community Discord. You can head on over to Patreon.com/backliners in order to uh, join up and get exclusive Hamlet pictures. Uh, oh my gosh. What else could be a better motivator than that? Barra's new puppy that is absolutely disgustingly cute. Inclusive <laughs> pictures in the community discord. Patreon.com slash backliners is the place to go for that. Um, all right. Hiru's uh, question is up first. Um, how do you guys feel about Aurora and PBM's new podcast and why it should absolutely be called the frontliners courtesy of cyclone spins idea? Uh, that's a great idea it's a slightly sarcastic uh, latter part and doesn't need to be answered uh, but that is what people want Mm -hmm. to uh want it to be called um if you guys haven't checked it out aurora and mike do have a new podcast uh that is untitled as of now as far as i know um but it's been awesome i've watched both episodes a little bit longer form um less about current smite stuff and more about like thinking back and talking about old stories and all that kind of stuff which is just awesome awesome content from two dudes who i would listen to talk about just about anything um you can check out i think it's on mike's youtube channel and they stream it on aurora's twitch channel uh, i don't know which day of the week they typically do it but you know maybe go follow wednesdays. them on twitter yeah wednesdays maybe um mm-hmm. it's uh it's really really good stuff um so highly recommend it uh yeah i don't i, I think the frontliners is is funny um but i they would i'm sure it occurred to them and they clearly uh aren't going with it um which you know it really should though it's kind of offensive because like yeah is our name just bad it might be should we do a whole rebrand right <laughs> now we should, should. should we oh my god wait what if we untitled our podcast we just said it's aggro and barra's untitled podcast until that's they until idea. they come up with a name and then we and come then up we with a name theirs. that's yeah that's that's kind of like theirs yeah genius i like it okay what if they don't come up with a name we're both just untitled forever then those be two them. very worthy <laughs> copied them. podcast titles. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, last episode they had Kabam on, and Kabam is uh, 
is an absolute beast. That guy. It was a what the heck? It was a great episode. Uh, highly recommend. Um, Dreamy Martini wants to know what is one of your biggest pet peeves in life. Theirs, for example, is when you're driving and a lane is ending and people see the need to merge, oh. but wait and try and get to get in front of everybody else. That's a great pet peeve to to think of for sure. Baron? Uh, I would say most traffic interactions are tilting. Yes um just people especially i feel like everyone says this but especially in georgia they do not know how to drive what nowhere is like we actually have good drivers here yeah Yeah. especially awful it's bad because there are so many people here that's why it feels really bad here it's not jam-packed in like two lanes yes it is not like you know of course i'm in like new york city or something like that but the Mm -hmm. sheer amount of volume of people for how big of an area it is is absolutely absurd um and there is just constant people everywhere uh and it is no fun driving a lot of those areas one of my pet peeves is the rising prices of peanut butter Mm, my peanut butter has gone up at 60 cents in the last year Wow. It was like a dollar sixty, and it's now two dollars and twenty nine cents. That mm-hmm. is absurd. Yeah, yeah. Don't For get me started on ounces of peanut butter, Barry. It's not a good idea to get me started on capitalism on a pet peeve question. You know, like don't. Sorry, that's not. That's an unwise call uh, from you. Wait, is making your own peanut butter cheaper? Uh, I don't know. Someone in chat did not suggest Not for your it. time. Surely that's not value for your time. Surely. Yeah, that has yeah. got to be way more effort than it's worth. Unless it's really good. And you do has, love peanut butter. That's a lot of peanuts. I feel like I'm not getting 16 ounces of peanuts for less than $2. I feel like you could almost certainly get like a Costco-sized box of peanuts. for You could get them for dirt cheap, yeah. For peanuts on the dollar, you know what I mean? You guys okay. have peanuts in <laughs> Here your Costco's? We go. Surely you could get... Well, like, yeah, I mean, I assume you could get something like peanuts at a wholesaler like that. I've seen almonds and walnuts at Costco. I've not seen peanuts yet. Well, surely someone at Costco can hook it up with an absolutely... uh, Do you think that, like, someone's job at Costco is they're like, okay, we're going to start offering this new product. How big should our container of it be? And, like, three people are, like, pouring it into, like, a, a, a massive container to, like, determine the overall size. And there's someone who stands there and just, and they're, it's like, tell me when to stop for how big the size is going to be. And they just stand there and they stand there. Well, it's like all And they're time. like, the, you know, the people pouring it are like, are you sure? Like, this is so much. And they're like, more. more. And you, they, they just wait and they just fit, they just fill everything up and they're like, enough. And it's the size of the room. Like everything you get at Costco like, how could they possibly have determined that this is the correct amount of stuff to give you at a, at a wholesale price? Like, it's insane. Uh, <laughs> it's too much. It's not good. Don't make me, like, I, it stresses me out to go in there because it's so, like, I'm committing to having a million, it's like a million servings of whatever food I'm buying anytime mm-hmm. I buy anything there. Their hummus is outrageously good. And yeah, you, do you get it in the gallon well, or the or the double gallon? I was gonna gallon? say, like, you surely just have too much hummus during. I'm never gonna eat all this before it goes bad, it's, though. Surely, no. Their hummus lasts forever. It lasts for like two months. Is that a it's real crazy. thing? Yeah, I don't know what they put in it, but it's delicious. Yeah, it's in a half gallon bucket. You it's like lit- 32 ounces of hummus. Like that container is large. But is it it's like one of the ones where you're gonna like get your hands dirty when you're getting to the bottom? You have to like get in there or like? No, it's it's wide. It's like oh, okay, that's. 
Yeah, yeah. it's a juicer container. If yeah. someone someone from Costco management is listening to this and they're like, "Oh, half gallon bucket of hummus. That's a great idea. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be there starting uh, next week." Neil, how about for you? What's one of your uh, biggest pet peeves in life? Well, one instantly I was thinking about when we when that person brought up traffic was especially it happened a lot in Georgia is when people are merging on the highway and when they're merging they're not going the speed limit of the highway. Yeah. Like, do you want all of us to die? Yeah. Like, it's so dangerous. <laughs> yes. Like, I, like, when I was in Georgia, the speed limit, or the, whatever the speed limit is, people were going, like, 20 under. And I'm like, we are going so slow and cars are whizzing by us. Like, this yeah. is terrible. Like, what is this? Yes. And then it, other than that, down here are dangerous. it's awful. Oh, and no one signals. People pass each other on the shoulder. I'm like, what is happening? Yep. But any, another one uh, is people who are, like, always late for stuff by, like, an unreasonable amount. Mm. Like, it's just really inconsiderate someone else's time. Like, if you have, like, a valid excuse something bad happened, like, fair game, or you're, like, 10 minutes late, you got a contract, like, it happens, but someone's, like, 30 minutes late, it's, like, I've just been sitting here, or, like, two people or three people and sitting here waiting for you for, like, so long. Yeah. It's just lame, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for including the unreasonable amount of time, because yeah. well, uh, I am someone who is habitually two minutes late to everything yep. I do. And that's fine, and that's fine. You can count on me being two minutes late, though. Like, and here's my personal. So someone's rule. like, our, our, like dinner is at seven fifty eight, Brian. Yeah, no, <laughs> Brian's I'm, like, you're like that sure, doesn't work. Sure. I know it's at eight, and I'll show up at eight oh two. First of all, my ex- here are my excuses. Both of my parents are the two most habitually late people I've ever met in my entire life, and they are both forty five minutes late to everything. They are both terrible about that, and it drives me crazy. And the fact that I'm only two minutes late is actually mm-hmm. a miracle. And secondly, my personal rule as someone who is always late is that I will not give you a heads up if I'm going to be less than five minutes late. And if I'm going to be more than five minutes late, I always like send a text like, hey, I'm running a little late. I'll For be sure. There. Um, I'll be there around this time. That's Which is my, great. That's my rule of thumb. And I stick sure. to it very, very steadfast. Like, That's a good point. It's like when you let someone know if you're going to be late in advance, dude, it's nice. Whereas if you show up half an hour late, it's like, well, like what the hell? Like what yeah. am I, I've been, I could have been doing something else with my time or like not like waiting for you, like, like actively for like 15 minutes because I've just done anything else, you know? Yep. But then I keep you waiting and like on the edge of your seat and you're like, dude, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. What are some yeah. of my big pet peeves? Oh, Barry, sorry. You were going to say something? Yeah. Neil reminded me of one. Uh, Uber drivers that can't drive. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you're riding in the backseat and you're like, am I about to die right now there's so many of them for some reason and like it's so scary yeah that that is really scary uh uber drivers who um insist on talking the whole time also do it and i don't i i promise it is not like uh i'm you know too good to talk to this person type of thing or something like that sometimes i'm in the mood to like chit chat and chat it up and that kind of stuff and admittedly most of the time um i am not uh mm-hmm. if if you podcast listeners can believe it um mm-hmm. this is absolutely the majority of talking i do in my like day if not week um is is this podcast i am someone who does not enjoy uh a whole lot of like small talk uh with strangers um what, like what we got in an Uber on the way home from visiting family from the airport. And that's a good hour plus drive. And this absolute saint of an Uber driver picked us up, put our luggage in the trunk, got in the car, didn't say a word the entire time. 
up from the airport to our house, dropped us off, took the luggage out of the out of the trunk, said, "Have a nice day." <laughs> Greatest moment of my life up until right now when Barra's dog just showed up on the podcast again. Look at this little man. <laughs> Exactly, he's so adorable. He's the cutest dog in the entire world. Uh, Patreon.com slash backliners to get ex- exclusive pictures. Oh <laughs> I'm just absolutely abusing him. Um, he's so cute, man. Yeah, so I, I will say that uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is definitely people who um, try to keep a conversation, like a small talk conversation going when I think that it is pretty clear. Like, I'm not being rude, but I'm also... Mm-hmm very clearly not in the mood to talk uh people who don't pick up on those hints um yeah is a little bit of a pet peeve for me like you yeah, said especially when you're back from like the airport like i got back from like my flight from arlington after worlds yep and it was like 10 o'clock and I like just got out of the flight and this guy's taught me the whole time I'm like dude like after a flight it's like come on brain fried can't do it um yeah, I'm so tired yep does just doesn't work Hiro uh, asked as well, what is one co-op game that you both haven't gotten a chance to play or seldomly played um, and would love to try out with one another? Barry, you any co-op games you want to... Dude, I know, I got one. That's here. We've talked, we've talked about this on the podcast. We have got to have a night where we get together and play some Castle Crashers. Oh, yes. I've played a game forever. Let me see. I, I, I have it downloaded. So I downloaded it recently. Uh, I was trying to get people in the Discord to hang out and to, to play, and I downloaded it, and I don't think anybody else did because they all played <laughs> this on Xbox 360. I yes, think. yeah, it yes, was. It, sir. Was a, it was a great party game on Xbox 360. Neil, yeah. are you hopping in on the Castle Crashers? I've been down to give it a run. I never really oh, played it, good. so like, oh. let's, let's get it. Let's get it going. You know, one of the greatest co-op games of all time. Um, yeah, I've been looking for new ones. I, I it's hard to find a good like co-op game. I feel like, or maybe it's just hard. Maybe I'm just looking in the wrong place. Mm. No, it is really hard. No, it's hard. For sure. Because I played It Takes Two, and that game was, like, insanely good. Oh, I saw that. And then you're one. like, it's, it's, it literally didn't win Game of the Year. Like, it actually was so good. And mm-hmm. I was playing it, and I was just like, why are there a lot more games like this? And, like, how do I yeah. find ones that are like this? Have you played um, Unraveled and Unraveled 2? No, oh, I haven't, Unraveled but I wanted to play so one. Uh, uh, I think they're downstairs. Joe, Joe and I played that game together, and my wife is mm-hmm. not a gamer. Um, but she really liked it because I could, she could just hop on my little yarn back and like hmm. I could do the platforming for us and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And <laughs> just a little nice little co-op puzzle game. Great game. Highly recommend mm-hmm. uh, Unraveled 2. That is uh, that is a good one. Um, yeah, my sorry, go ahead. only game I would say is, would be like Overcooked 2. Yeah, I Overcooked think. is good. I, I just love those kind of like really difficult teamwork style games. Yep. Um, I, I'm just a big fan of those. Yeah. Overcooked is really good. One time we were playing Overcooked. It was me, Joe, uh, Nick Keo, aka Pretty Hair, uh, who used to be a Paladins caster, and uh, his wife. And we were playing, and we had been doing a little. It was on the weekend, and we'd been doing a little drinking, um, playing a little drinking game while playing it. And <laughs> it was one. Of, I don't think I've ever like broken down in the middle of a game faster than. I was, his wife's name is uh, Mackenzie. And I was like, Mackenzie, I need a plate. And she did complete, she was so stressed out and just like trying to keep up. She goes, yes, chef. And then keeps, <laughs> and I just instantly oh. died. Like it was just the fun. I still say yes, chef in that exact tone to this day. Cause it was so, was so good. Just role playing hard, you know? Um, all right. Finally, Neon Kerm asked, if you get a remake of any video game, what video game would you choose? 
A remake um, of any video game. Okay, that's going to take me a while to answer. Spite. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> uh, I don't know. A lot of like my childhood games actually got like remade. Like I liked Diablo two a lot, and that got remade. I liked yeah. WoW a lot when I was growing up, that got remade. I played a lot of Counter Strike when I was growing up, and that's just like gets revamped all the time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wait, remade like same universe, same style of game, but better? Yeah, or, like, just like updated for the modern day. Like uh, Resident Evil Four remake is a great example of mm. that's one of my favorite games of all time on GameCube. And then the remake came out. It looks gorgeous. They did a lot of quality of life improvements, added some nice little new features, but didn't change the game a whole lot. I didn't actually play it because I beat the game like 10 plus times uh, on GameCube. And instead, I just watched a lot of people play it for the first time and had an absolute blast. Like, loved watching people play it who hadn't played it. It was some of the best watching of any video game I've ever uh, had. And if you haven't played Resident Evil 4, highly recommend playing the remake. It's a, it's a phenomenal phenomenal game um i would say i mean obviously if smite is a choice um i would go dungeon defenders i have like four i think i would go mm -hmm. dungeon defenders diablo 2 um warcraft 3 and... <laughs> no 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 i mean like good remakes oh, i don't mean okay, like okay. blizzard like money grabbing i mean like an actual quality like okay, okay. new campaign my bad, my new heroes bad. yeah i can't my believe fault. you say that my fault my fault um there was one more uh i would like a halo 2 remake um but mm. i don't know if it would ever actually like give me the same nostalgia feeling that i had like playing it initially because i did go back and play and i was like man this game is not good um it would not unfortunately yeah. dude i saw a tiktok on my twitter feed that really like got me in my feelings it was of like a dad uh who, who seemed pretty young like filming his kid play Fortnite and just like talking to his friends and like playing and he's like and the caption was he's in those good years right now mm -hmm. like oh. he's experiencing the his good years of gaming and i was like man that hit me you know like because those are just you just have a time where there's just the right game that you love and your friends mm -hmm. love and you play together and it's just like this intensity of like fun that is unlike anything you will experience again uh mm -hmm. and not to say it's like the most fun you'll ever have but it's a type of fun that you can never get back after you get older. yeah you um, can't you can't bottle it yeah you can't replicate it uh yeah. and i was like damn that is that 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 is awesome um yeah but yeah anyways neil go ahead on your uh remake desires I'm I'm not sure because like I was saying like Diablo two was like a huge one for me and I played like the re the remade one and it was done pretty well, but I was like dude like it's just not the same as when you're young like you're saying nope. like when you're in that golden age you're playing that game it came out for the time it's just like insane. Yep. I don't know I don't I honestly don't know because a lot of the games I do want to experience like that were just remade. Mm -hmm. Like I well, do think one of the ones might be Warcraft three because I never even bought it because it was supposed to be just terrible. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, Day of Defeat was kind of cool. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe maybe one of the Fable games. Oh, sure, Wolfenstein. Oh, it's like um, Wolfenstein Enemy Territory was pretty good back in the day. I See, I didn't play a lot of variety Like when I when I grew up. I played, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of it was just I played like these games I really enjoyed and then they just ended up remaking them, like I said, like Counter-Strike and stuff. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Hard to say. Day of Defeat you? was uh, looks exactly like I never played it, never seen it before. It looks exactly like Medal of Honor Rising Sun that I played. Yeah, it's got that vibe too um, for sure. What a great game that was. Like, uh, yeah, some of my favorite games of all time, you know, Modern Warfare Two, Black Ops Two. I do not want those yeah. remade because I know if thirty one year old me played those games, it would tarnish how I feel about them. I know that they were not balanced uh, and were not would not be fun in today's environment. Too, man. I yep. was, uh, I did get such joy out of spawn tubing people, um, mm-hmm. in search over and over and over again. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really want those to be remade. Um, an easy one that comes to mind instantly is Mario Superstar Baseball for the GameCube. Um, Ooh, that was a good one. Don't make a new Mario Baseball. Uh, it won't be as good. Just update Mario Superstar Baseball to Ooh. just port it. Actually, all you gotta do, you don't even have to remake it. Just port it. Uh, wow. as is okay. um it's perfect uh let's see what else oh i had another one that i was thinking of um oh i thought of it did either of you uh, see neither of you guys mentioned any gamecube games i don't know if you're a big gamecube i, I literally I just thought of I three okay perfect okay great i've got two from the gamecube number one custom robo was one of the best the coolest games i've ever played really obscure big fan uh that would be a sick game to remake and I think could actually work well as like a free-to-play model in today's uh, game environment. And Beautiful Joe was an awesome oh. game that came into my mind that. like weeks ago for some reason and I have been unable to get it out of my brain. Uh, I want to play hmm. Beautiful Joe again so badly. That would be a great game to remake. So that, those, are, those thing- are my two. I know about that game is I've watched Marvel versus Capcom and he can mm-hmm. like infinite someone in a corner yep. and hit them for like the smallest amount. So that's the only thing I know about that little guy. Dude, Beautiful Joe was awesome. It was such a sick yeah. concept. Like that game was a real, that was an art. Like that, that mm-hmm. game was, was a work of <clears throat> art. Not that it was like literally perfect, but just conceptually and the, the theming and like how they executed, like just so cool. Um, hmm and huge fan huge 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 fan of beautiful joe what a great game that was i thought of three games maybe i don't know maybe four or something like that Mm -hmm. golden sun yeah for the game boy advance that game was insane i love that game so much it was so much fun yep that'd be good to game remake um nhl hits and and red yes yes both those games like the same thing they're so funny. They were so much fun just to play. The remake would be so good. Yeah. A re- NHL hits, MLB Slugfest, and NFL Blitz. Yeah. If they could remake those, they'll never be able to ever again because those leagues won't give them licenses anymore. Yeah, for sure. But it's a crime. Those are and, those games were so good. And the last one was Morrowind, like the early Elder Scrolls mm. game. That game was mm. so good. Are you the new uh, Bethesda? Like, I don't know if it's official. Is it an Elder Scrolls game? I know like that they released some footage for, for or something not not some direct footage but there was some gameplay footage just like a title and a whatever what is it called like star or something not sure uh, let's see if i can pull it up here uh yeah i don't know starfield yeah releasing in september 2023 is it officially elder scroll 6 i don't know if that's like okay no chuck is saying it's its own thing yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I'm in, I, I'm gonna try and play that on release because I have ne- I've never played an Elder Scrolls game. Really? Except for so within the last like like two years ago, I went and tried to play Skyrim for the first time in my life, and I don't mean to burst everybody's 
like Skyrim <laughs> oh, bubble. No. But trying to play Skyrim, if you haven't played Skyrim before and you try to play it in the year 2021, you will not have fun. It is unplayable. And that's fine. It's not its fault. It's a different era. You know, there were what different. What's wrong with it? It was unplayable. What do you mean? You It felt terrible. It was just un. You couldn't do it. Like, I, and everyone says it needs mods to feel good. I, I had someone install mods to make it feel good. It did not feel good. Because I'm coming at it from a fresh perspective. It wasn't good enough. Uh, and that's fine. It's old. Like, it's not its fault. You keep saying it's fine. So it I is. Don't attack you. <laughs> it does really sound But I feel fine. the need. I don't know. I haven't played it in a long time. Maybe you're right. But you're probably not well. Right. I am. But maybe am. you're right. But, but you. But if you loved it before, you won't see the these things as flaws. It's just like it's part of the nostalgia of it for you. Yeah. For someone who doesn't have any nostalgia, it isn't playable anymore. Um. So I'm interested to see what that's that studio is going to put mm-hmm. out with uh, with Starfield. Um. And it should be interesting. Okay, we're way over time, but that's kind of how it be sometimes. Even though they don't think it be like it is. It do, as they say. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Neil, thanks for coming on. Um, we'll be back next week with more great podcast action. Check out other predictions, other shows. Uh, shout out to Factor, factor.com slash backliners40, or factormeals.com, excuse me, factormeals.com slash backliners40 to get 40% off your first box. Check out predictions, other shows. <laughs> I think I already said that. Until then, uh, Barra, you know what to do. Bye clean i was a little late on the transition though i kind of i was so wrapped up in the buy that it I took found me a your casting there. moment oh yeah, yeah we got to do that immediately we're out of here see ya <laughs>